What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. I am the cartel, a little bit under the weather, but I'm here for the cardboard. I'm here for the coaching, here for the hobby. Uh, I like hearing that because uh, there's going to be a few people that aren't going to be here in six months time. There is a general consensus. Uh, and it's not a consensus. There's a general feeling in the air. I mean, we talked about this a little bit heading into the expo and we're actually going to get into our expo experience very soon. Um, as a person who was just walking around myself and as a, a dealer and yourself, um, and kind of what we felt about the market. I mean, there were other prominent uh, sports card creators that voiced their opinion about our expo. And I feel like we can talk about that as well. Um, however, there is a, there's a bit of an ominous feel where people have this, I guess, this feeling that something bad's going to happen. And they go and check comps and chances are they might be down on most stuff, actually. Um, and I don't know how much of this is just a general, the market cycle. Uh, and we've talked about this as well, but it just seems that this time, this time people are truly scared shitless. I've had more people reach out to me in the last, I'd say week, week and a half that are looking to sell either their entire collection or big parts of their collection. And, um, you know, what's, what do you, how do you feel? How do you feel owning, you know, some pretty significant pieces of cardboard? Well, I can't, I can't say I've had the same experience in terms of people wanting to sell off their collections or anything, yeah. like that, but I've been told this is happening. Uh, we, yeah, but it's been a while now, right. That we're hearing there's something ominous and, uh, there's negativity and there's tension and there's anxiety. And I think that's normal. I mean, if you look across the board at what's happening in the world today and with the economy, that makes sense. So I think it lines up. Uh, we'll talk about our expo experiences and maybe that'll get deeper into the heart of the matter. But, um, I don't know, man. It really is one of those situations where it's how much you're buying into what you're hearing or what you're reading. Uh, I, I sold a few pieces on Instagram the other night. Uh, we know people who do little sales and little flash sales and seem to be doing quite well. There, there is still a healthy market. Yep. We can't be living in this situation where we're constantly comparing it to a year ago, right? Um, it's just not realistic. There's, there's certain content I feel a lot of people should be paying attention to right now coming from certain people, people that we've had on our podcast um, that are, you know, trying to calm things down, take a logical approach to this. It's generally coming from people who are in and around the hobby or different aspects of the hobby or collectibles before all this happened. It's like, I, I, I hate to, you know, pounded into the ground but there was a lot of new entrants and there was a lot of new entrants with all sorts of different silly ideas over the past couple of years and whenever i see comments like you know on a major page like card porn and someone's like cards were a scam this was a scam i'm just always. like shaking my head and always I'm like, always 
these cards were around well before you decided in 2020 that you were bored. They, the, the stores were around. Upper Deck and Panini were around. Tops was around. People were collecting these things. People were buying and selling. The Sport Card Expo existed and was quite busy and lucrative for many people. It's, <laughs> I think that you're going to get content from the people who came in in 2020, and you're going to get a certain feel. You're going to get a certain panic. And then you're going to get content from, from people that have been through it. And I think we'll have a bit more of a, a settled opinion on this. I'm not freaking out. And I'm especially not freaking out after the expo. And um, I kind of find myself, me personally, I have my same concerns. You know, crappy quality control from the, from the top companies, which is now going to be, you know, all you know, conglomerated into a fanatics yeah. show, see what yeah. they do with it. Um, you know, just so, so those big companies basically just having a lack of responsibility and a lack of respect for the hobby. Um, grading is, you know, still this thing, this issue, we're back to the economy service with PSA. So that's a big discussion now. So for me, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm still, I still have the same concerns, but I'm not put off necessarily um, by what's going on with the market. I, I've said it a long time ago, we can't expect that we would be at the tippy top. Look, just go through Lameem James' feed, right? And in two years ago, he was making fun of, uh, you know, he was posting kids with like chains and hype beasts making money. And now his, 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 his main meme uh, sources are uh, making fun of people losing money. Yeah. Right. But you and I were not in that that high end game that it seems to be most effective. I and, think, and I think we, all, we also benefit from being in a in, in the hockey hobby. I yeah. So I want to talk about that for two seconds. So I I find it really interesting because I think the people who are suffering the most during this time are people that are like married to cops. You know, remember, sure. remember we talk about or we've talked about in several podcasts how, you know, you go to a a show and you're having a conversation with someone and, you know, the classic line is asking a dealer, like, like, you know, these are, or telling a dealer, these are comps. Right. And uh, you know, some of the old school dealers, they don't fuck, they don't fuck with that shit. They're they're like, listen, this is the price. Like we have some wiggle room here, but like, you're going to show me something that's half of this. Like, we're not, we're not making a deal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what it sold for on eBay yesterday. Like, this is my price. And uh, I think that those dealers, I think are significantly less afraid than the people who are walking up with the phone and saying, here are comps. I think there's a reason why if you go on social media, people are always talking about buying for 80 or 60 to 80% of comps. And why people say like, oh, well, I have no room on this. Uh, Like you're almost expected to give them an opportunity to profit immediately off of the transaction. I think so much of sports cards became instantaneous that, you know, a lot of the actually appreciating the card. And I've, I've talked about this personally, where I think that the reason why you get paid when it comes to selling a sports card is because you took a gamble on something that other people weren't willing to take a gamble on. 
And there are so many different scenarios for this gamble. You could have bought a raw card that someone, you know, hadn't taken the gamble to grade. You could have bought a, you know, a PSA nine of a, of a player that was, do you know what I mean? There's so many different scenarios that you have to gamble on. And essentially with time, like it appreciates, right? Much like it does when it comes to you purchasing, you know, there's not a lot of money to be made in Amazon today. Like, I mean, there is, but if let's say you're an everyday retail investor and you've got $500, you put that into Amazon, it might be like 507 in like six months. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but that's a return. And so those more lucrative returns require a greater deal of risk. The problem is people got used to the lucrative returns not being so risky because they had a nice buffer window. And I just think that buffer window is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And now all of a sudden it's a game of hot potato from the minute a product comes out to the first person to grade or first 10 people to grade. And then like Gonzo, we're setting the bar here and then rinse and repeat, hopefully. Um, so I find that to be interesting. And the reason why I mentioned that after you, you talked about hockey is because, you know, a lot of my baseball stuff I found throughout the off season really dropped. Like, I mean, really dropped. Um, and like, it didn't drop below what I paid for them, but I definitely dropped below where I was like, okay, well, I, I appreciate these. But do I appreciate them enough to hold if they drop even more? And I right. started to make some some decisions because baseball, that market had really, I mean, taken off, especially the base market, 2019, 2020. And I moved into hockey because it's way more solid, in my opinion. Uh, the hockey market was, it wasn't artificially as artificially pumped as the other markets. And as a result of that, I mean, the dips aren't as great. Like you still see maybe a 30, 40% drop sometimes depending on performance um, or accolades or whatever the case may be. Maybe, uh, you know, you still get a bump up when someone gets traded, but it's, it, you don't see a hockey card, you know, packed pulled going for like $10,000. At least, I mean, I haven't, you know, like I, I have. They so. exist, but. No, no, but like, yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, at, at least in the recent products, like, I mean, maybe like a high, high gloss Zegris, you know, and, and even so like the prices probably haven't dropped as much. I think the biggest decrease I saw from like pack pulled to now is probably the Lafreniere, which I think at one point or another was about $500. And now they're going for like maybe 130, you know? Yeah. A lot of it, what you mentioned is important. It's mitigating losses or, you know, just trying to control like you said, how, how low will it go and at what point can you still get something functional out of that you put into something else? But I'll tell you this about comps. When there's two people involved in a deal, person A is trying to reference comps that helps them and person B is trying to reference comps that help, help them and I am done with comps. That, that's actually one of my biggest takeaways from the amount of action and, and the, you know, particularly as you know, on Friday at the expo was absolutely out of control. Um, I'm done with comps because, and first of all, I bought at comp, I bought below comps. I bought over comps. I sold under comps and I sold over comps. Comps tell you 
one one hundredth of the story. And you have to take into consideration, you know, a bat down Acuna ended today at lunchtime on a Sunday. Is that a good comp? Probably not. Probably, probably not, right? Especially if you're holding an Acuna. Yeah. You want to justify pricing. You're not going to use that comp. If you want to buy one, you're going to use the Sunday at noon comp. Yeah. Okay. There's just too many variables. We've gone over them on cardboard coaches. Status of the seller. How well was the auction put together? Maybe there was bad wording, bad photo, timing of the auction. There's just too much going on there. And what I had to explain to a lot of people when it comes to hockey and the passion, right? People want these pieces is replaceability. So I don't care if your comp says 500, if your replacement is going to cost you a thousand, right? Like, that is such a huge issue. It, it has to be an agreement between a buyer and seller that makes sense. And people have to be willing to walk away. Now in an era where people might be panicking, it generally becomes the buyer's market. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, comps, it's, it's just, it's, it's getting tiresome. It, it's um, funny. You want to talk, you want to talk about a popular young gun. Okay. The thing's liquid. You know what I mean? It's, you, you'll have 25 comps, but you want to talk about a PSA 10 future watch? Yeah. Don't talk comps. Talk about what is this worth to you? And like, I mean, where else are you going to find one? Like where, like almost price match for me. You know what I'm saying? And like, so it's funny, like this is a perfect segue into the expo and our, our expo experiences because I found, found myself trying to move uh, some of my big ish hockey pieces in order to like, I was on a Kobe hunt. Like I was like, I had gotten some equity from my hockey stuff, which again, like, you know, that's something that a lot of people can't say about, you know, their cards heading into the expo. Right. Like, right. fortunately my hockey stuff, I was either <laughs> at what I paid for it or above in most cases above, because I had some Oilers, I had some avalanche, um, some, you know, really, really liquid pieces and uh, everyone I'd go to, not everyone. I, I lied, but I was there three days and it took me three days to pull off everything I needed to pull off in order to get the equity out of my cards and not put it like all cash into the Kobe's that I want. And the reason why it took so long is because every time I went to a dealer, they wanted these cards. I'd say like 85, 90% of people wanted the cards that I had, but the way that they would comp is they would find the lowest goddamn comp they could find. And then they'd give me like 80% of that or 75% of that or 60% of that. So you're finding the worst comp before the playoffs happen, before this team is a game away from the Stanley Cup final, okay? And don't tell yeah. me that doesn't have something to do with it because it does. Um, and then they give me 60% of that or 70% of that. And I was like, hold on here. And then I look at their showcase and their showcase is all – like top end or comps that haven't even like I've never this card has never even gotten there or hasn't been there in 18 months or or 14 months or eight months. Right. And I'm like, I, I can clearly see that like you are, I mean, this is how you are. You know what I mean? That's cool. You want you want the most and you want to give the least. That's cool. But like, I mean, I'd leave tables like that and I'd be like, you know what? That, <laughs> that's okay. You know, like I'm I'm good. I appreciate the offer though. And uh, they would be like, well, like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I, 
what, just something fair. Like I'm not, I'm not asking for hundred percent comp, but I told you what I was looking for. Right. I told you, I mean, I had, I specifically had a sticker on the back of every single one of my cards. I'm like, well, this was my, this is my number, you know? And so when you come in 60% of, of that number, like yeah. uh, it's just, it's hard to make a deal there. So um, I found, found that really interesting. And uh, as a result of that, it just took a lot, a lot more work. And uh, that's fine. Cause that kind of like really added to my expo experience. Like by the time I acquired the cards that I wanted to acquire, I, uh, I felt super accomplished, you know, like I felt like, uh, you know what, like I really earned these ones. I, well, I didn't just come in and spend money. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, how, how did you find. I thought it was, uh, well, I thought it was overall great because like I said, regardless of whether your intention is there to sell, you're still doing a lot of buying. Yeah. And I probably did more so than I ever did. And, uh, I found that it is advantageous to do that uh, for a lot of people because you have people willing to part ways with certain pieces because everyone I was buying from had a goal like you did with your Kobe's, right? So um, you're contributing to helping them get there and they're willing to understand all the different dynamics going on, right? It's like a store generally is looking to buy at 60%. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of set up as a, you know, a pop-up shop essentially. So you have, you know, and I wouldn't say 60% is the right way to go about it when you're at a show. Yeah. Um, again, it depends on the piece. It depends on <clears throat> everything was happening all at once. Quick, quick flips, uh, you know, something that's on display that everybody asks about doesn't end up purchasing, but I'm not in a rush to get rid of. And, uh, and my own purchasing, right? Because my own purchasing, not only with an eye on profit, but with an eye on my own collection. Yeah. It's actually a fantastic way to go about it when you have a PC and you want to add to it. Um, but I, I had a great experience in that sense. And, I, and, and so if we're going to talk about, for example, the great curator who did not have such a great experience for a variety of reasons, no, it's really going to boil down to what your intentions were, what you had on you. Because I know plenty of dealers who did extremely well. Because A... They don't play that kind of hardball that you may have mentioned when you were offering your cards. They want to move things. They don't want to be a pushover, but the goal is to move inventory, particularly when you get to a certain amount of inventory. Yeah. And um, again, it was the Sport Card Expo in Canada, in Toronto. You better have some hockey. Um, but he love- did. He had, he had a PMG Connor McDavid. Right which he basically essentially brought to show off. Um, You know, you have to have certain price ranges. People scoff maybe at the $2 to $20 price range, but guess what? That did extremely well for a lot of people. So not everyone's showing up at the show ready to buy a PMG. Not everyone's showing up at the show ready to buy four-figure, much less five-figure cards. I spent spent the vast majority of... of thursday sifting through like dollar boxes when i say dollar boxes i mean like 50 cents dollars like two dollars i must have spent three four hours like and and then we were only open for like four on on the thursday you know because i'm pretty sure there's you know there are a lot of dealers particularly older dealers who don't keep up on the times all the time they just do shows and expos just one stop along the way 
So you're smart to do that. <clears throat> My best purchases in the previous expo came that way. It's funny though. I wasn't even really seeking like, like profitable cards. I found, I found this expo um, very grounding because it gave me, I mean, I've, I've collected, you know, like I've always collected and, you know, especially when it comes to some of my soccer stuff and my stickers and I mean, that stuff you don't buy unless you're truly like collecting and appreciate it. But I got back to like my hockey roots with collecting at that expo. And there were a bunch of sets that I just really gravitated towards. And I, I made it my mission, like, you know, at that expo to just accumulate as many of like car cards from this set with the intention of, uh, of set collecting it, uh, of set building it. And absolutely. And it's something now that I can continue to do every time I walk into an, any hobby shop or do you know what I mean? Like it's going to, it's going to provide me an experience moving forward, just like sifting through stuff and, and, and taking the time. And I think yeah. that's one thing that, um, you know, regardless if, if the market's up, down or otherwise, I, I just, I can't take that back. You know, like it, it, I can't tell you what it feels like to, to look for, you know, a card from a specific set and to find one and seeing it's so inexpensive and yet it's beautiful and numbered and, you know, like short printed, whatever. And it was uh, happening and it was happening on the other side of the table for me as well, you know, to see someone show up and, you know, the Randy Rosarena foil board that I picked up for my PC was, uh, that's a tough card, man. There's not yeah. a lot out there that are graded PSA 10 and comes, comes directly to me almost gift wrapped and yeah. uh, that was awesome and that was happening left and right people were bringing all sorts of interesting stuff that was getting uh unearthed yeah from closets from piles for this event and it was pretty awesome um to see uh what was out there and it was pretty awesome that you know there's a lot of camaraderie people will you know say hey okay someone's looking for mma and they'll send them my way someone's trying to move mma they'll send them my way and, and there was a really it's a fantastic atmosphere in that sense, right? So, hence I know why we, we don't really know, you know. I mean, how you could? I don't know how you bash it. You only bash the expo is if you went in with unclear expectations. You know, like the expo yeah, it's, is it's, not the expo is not the national. Like I know that we we marketed in Canada as like our version of the national, but it's not like the national. I'm sure there's people that spend. I mean, I'm sure there's people walking around the national with like 50 racks, but like, I don't think you'll find that at, at the end. Well, look, I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in right now on this great curator. I, I, it's so funny how, how often I just try to generalize and not try to go in, but if you ask for it, you get it. And, and he's asking for it because I, I've never seen someone act so childish when it comes to having a discussion about content that you put out there. I, I'm pretty sure you, uh, in your various platforms, the Tiki Taki and all this stuff, have not yet at this point replied to someone with shut up. I don't think so. Right? I do get so, pretty creative with my responses, but I don't think which I'm, is, I'm I think downright. Which is what you should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to see a grown man go that route means that he's asking for, the, for some of this stuff. And, uh, and it's, again, it's just mind blowing that to see these stories repeatedly and I don't follow the guy I usually get notified by someone or you know or stumble upon it you know this constant bs about 
don't be negative. Don't be negative. Don't be negative. And then what is this guy doing on his YouTube channel that somehow has accumulated 5,000 subscribers, 5,000 people that are not put off by this gentleman? I, it's mind blowing to me. But, you know, to, to, to put a don't be negative and then come out there and, and say, you know, oh, you know, Toronto Expo, my God, so much hockey. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. He couldn't do the, the, the basic research beforehand. You know, I, 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 I've had people criticize me lately because I said positive things about Jeff Wilson. Who criticized and, you? Uh, well, one of our own uh, good, close friends uh, uh, got on us, uh, uh, got on me about being positive about Jeff. Jeff attended the expo in November, had a great time, purchased hockey, Ovechkins, McDavid's, Gretzky's, embraced the cultural atmosphere. We are a different culture. Okay? He, he even no. showed love to the NHL, the NHL Shields. Sure. And then you've got this guy who is somehow blindsided by hockey in Canada, has certain things to say about the people, the generalizations. And this is, this is just hilarious to me as someone who, you know, himself being, you know, a, a visible minority to, to general generalization is just disgusting on so many levels that I don't care if it has to do with your background, your ethnicity, but to sit there and say, Oh, because I had these experiences with five Canadians, all Canadians, they, they don't, they don't know how to, they don't know how to deal. They don't buy you're, you're saying damaging things on a huge platform that does not make our show, our national sound good, and that your 5,000, God knows where they came from followers, your quote, I don't know what he calls them, the curator army. And they're, and they're listening to this guy, and that's, that's what they're getting out of it, is that is his, his opinion. Where it sounds to me like he did absolutely everything incorrectly in terms of how he signed up and, and, and got things going, the expectations that he had. This is someone who, this is the problem with big followings on platforms. This guy has convinced himself he's something he's not. He's convinced himself he's something more important than he is. Because I, I just, I'm not in that world. I don't care about that world. I don't find that world interesting. Maybe people do find the world of being able to buy 15, $20,000 cards interesting. And, it, you know, he's got a sense of humor about it. Well, that's, that's, that's really nice. I'm glad he has a, a sense of humor about it. He makes these little comments about how uh, cards are, uh, are becoming a financial burden. When we all know, just looking at his situation and his highly glossy content, that he does not have any financial concerns. But to sit there and be negative like he is, to respond the way he does to comments, in the, he takes it very personally. He plays his cards very openly about how insecure he is. And just constantly with this don't be negative material. And again, I don't want to spread rumors. I don't want to levy allegations. <clears throat> I've heard that, you know, he, he, has, he has connections. He has affiliations. And it's just so disingenuous. And uh, it's, it's, it's the part, it's the rotten part of the hobby. He's part of the rotten part of the hobby. Uh, and when, again, when we say the hobby, it could be the, the industry, the yes. hobby, whatever. whatever. Yes. Okay. Card-related card activities. Sure, card-related activity. It's the rotten part of it. I don't want to go into it any deeper than that. He already has his battles that he's, he's getting involved in. 
but um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And I, I felt like I had to step up to kind of um, to defend uh, the expo. Yeah, I feel like you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Like at least with respect to doing your research before coming to a show. And it, it, it would be the equivalent of me showing up at the Dallas card show, which everyone's talking about with mainly hockey. Right. Chances are, even if I have good hockey stuff, it might not be as liquid there. Right. And then if I go to the Dallas show and I, you know, I can't make deals with hockey, maybe prices are too high in terms of me, like what people are bringing to my table, you know, maybe people are bringing DCI grading to me instead of KSA. That was another thing. I was like, they're like, oh, yeah, the, in, in Canada, they have a bunch of different grading companies. I was like, do you understand how many grading companies are in the United States? Yeah. In, in, in Canada, we have two that people don't typically see, by the way. For those of you tuning in to the United States and otherwise, we have... Well, they don't see it in the States, but man... That's what I mean. So we have KSA. A lot here. It's all over. I know, I know, I know. But as I said, people who are tuning in from the States or otherwise, we have two, KSA and um, MNT. Yeah. Or mint grading. There are those a lot are the of two. Cards. By the way, there's a lot of cards slabbed by MNT right I now. I agree. No, no. And KSA. I mean, KSA is some old school big cards are in KSA slabs. Like you see Bobby Orr's in KSAs. So but with modern cards, like I, there were people carrying around cases full of yeah. MNT slabbed and key, key modern hockey cards. Yeah. We're talking about some big future watch. Young guns, they're in there. I, mean, I believe it. They're relatively cheap, and they, I guess they get the job done, right? Um, but I, I just so he was talking about how these these two, you know, people are bringing these these cards to the table that they are only available in Canada. The grading, um, but in my head, I was like, do you know how many grading companies are in the states? I'm sure that if I go to like some, if I had a booth at an expo in the United States. People would be bringing DCI grading and KSA grading and uh, I don't know, modern fingerprint grading and like Joe Schmo's grading. Like there are so many grading companies out there. And again, like these two companies have actually been around in, in Canada for a very, very long time. So, you know, maybe moving into a market where, you know, you, you need more information. Ultimately you came here. And you thought it was another stop on the road, like you were going to another show in the United States, but it's not, it wasn't like that. And it will never be like that. Like every, if I go to a state, if I go to a show in Europe, I'm sure it's going to be completely different to anything that we've seen in the United States or in Canada. Right. So um, I just don't think there was a ton of research that was put in and, and to, to, you know, put the, the blame on, people or i mean the one thing that i will say that happened to him that was pretty shitty is you know uh maybe there was the the fact that there was no uh cases available for him you know flew in from a different country no cases available for him i'm not sure what the situation was behind that you know i don't know if he maybe committed to them late or whatever the case may be he he heard about things and later on well that's what i mean um, so a big big part of the expo is loyalty to the exhibitors yeah um, so i mean he probably got caught in that a little bit too because maybe he was just going on a whim maybe someone said hey check out canada it's an opportunity for a vacation 
and for you to make funny little contents with like jokes about Canada Dry, etc. But you know, for me, it was just mostly this feeling like this guy really thinks he he the red carpet should have been rolled out, or that more people should know him. But I have news for him. We are a different country and a, and for better or for worse, different culture. And I, I didn't see, I don't see Canadians at the expo getting caught up in a lot of hype. Um, you know, we, we we're creatures of habit. Beckett has always been popular. Uh, I've talked about this before, particularly in the hockey market. Beckett's always been popular, even with this bump in the road they've had the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, not many people were visiting certain booths, uh, PWCC. You know, CSG, which, by the way, th- those people were really fantastic. I ended up dropping a submission with them just because I felt bad for them. You, you <laughs> submitted with PWCC? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, we're, it is not, we are not yet, it, but there's no flames behind me. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean the Calgary flames. There's no flames from the depths behind me. Um, but, you know, the CSG reps were just so damn nice. And again, I've talked about wanting to do something with CSG because of the fact that they grade everything else. Um, and I think I may have talked them into taking comic submissions next year. So if that does happen, you have me to thank if we have some viewers who collect comics. But um, I just don't see people getting wrapped up in hype. They're creatures of habit. A Canadian is the type of person you can knock over the head and say, listen, I know you like MNT. I know they're cheap, but maybe you should consider you know, a different company, they'll say, no, I'm going to stick with it because they're creatures of habit. Just think about the, the number of Leaf fans that are out there and that have been Leaf fans their whole lives. Perfect. You, That's a you, perfect. You think perfect telling example. any of them that they should switch teams will work? Because I, I good luck with that. I, I just know? didn't, I, I didn't see a big run on going to PWCC or getting involved in the eBay vault or the PWCC vault or the friggin', you know, the, the, there's every kind of vault did you, did, you, did, you, did you happen to see the, the eBay vault pictures? Like what they made it look like? Sorry? Oh, yeah. What, that looked like a, a Tom Cruise science fiction <laughs> film? Yeah. I was it's, like, it's, what it's, the fuck is this? I was it's like, a storage locker. It's I was a like, storage this locker is... with a broom in the corner. Is what I was, was like, this is not your vault, bro. Get out of here. They made <laughs> it look like it was straight out of... Um, Man, the first thing I thought of, which is hilarious, was like the fucking Pokemon movie, man. In the Pokemon movie, they have like these these uh, chambers and the whole right. thing. There's like it looks like there's lasers that like, you know, those those lasers in the movies that if you if you pass through them, you get sliced in half. Um, that's exactly what they made the, the, the vault look like. And yeah, if you what's... haven't checked it out, um, you have to. I'll see if I can post something in the comment section, but it is. It's like, like Catherine Zeta-Jones in that film where she's in the skin-tight bodysuit and she's avoiding the lasers. Yes, 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 yes. She's like, I must acquire your PSA 10 McDavid Young Guns. And, and there's lasers and I have to wiggle my ass through in order to get your Connor McDavid. I was like, I, I know that like you have, you could have just put like a, like a big ass safe as like the background photo instead of this, you know? Yeah. That's good, man. They didn't awesome. want to show you the storage locker with the broom in the corner because that's not, it's not that sexy. And like, not. do we do we really need more vaults though? Uh, I get it. I get the concept. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying it's a ridiculous concept because there's so much liquidity and flipping. 
I get it. What at a certain point you say, what's the point of me even holding it? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I owned things for, for three minutes during the course of the show. Several times I, I was a proud owner for three minutes and then it was gone. So yeah, I get, you know, at a certain point when things are happening that way, you might as well just stash it in a vault after you buy it instead of having it sent to you because you're just going to send it to someone else. Um, but I think, but I think it's different at a show versus like, like on, on the computer, you know, cause like people have so much access to information on the computer. Right. So, yeah. you know, finding one of those deals, unless you're the first person to check a listing, that's a buy it now that's listed significantly lower um, than, than what things are generally going for. I, those quick flips, they, they rarely happen like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, it just, it, it creates a little bit more distance between us and like actually collecting. And I'm not here saying that like flips aren't a thing and they aren't necessary. Like there were a lot of times where I was going through dollar boxes and I'd go to a, a dealer and I'd sell them cards. I just bought for a dollar for five and 10 bucks a piece. Do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's the wild variable of the hobby. Yeah. People put different values on things. There's, and that's going back to our conversation on comps, man. It's all subjective. It's all over the place. Someone who wants, who needs that card for a set is going to put a higher value on it than the average person, right? It's all about finding the best scenario, how much time and effort you're willing to put into it. Now, all these variables are an interesting conversation. I know that you, you know, and I appreciate that you want to discuss this. I did have a very expensive card stolen from me. Uh, the Alexander Barkov Cup RPA, serial number 181 out of 249. I might as well put it out there. I mean, yeah. it's been reported to police. Yeah. It's not, a small, uh, it's not a small theft by any means. It is most likely, and I'm not trying to be, you know, negative Nelly. Uh, I'm just trying to be honest about what the scenario is. It's probably in the hands of another dealer right now. It is. I mean, where, what else are you going to do with that card in that scenario? It probably is in someone else's hands. Maybe they're probably just going to wait until the heat dies down. But the reality is, as I, it got me thinking throughout the rest of the show. I mean, obviously, it, it put me in a bad mood, but it got me thinking of, of any time someone is bringing, not just a vendor, but even you yourself, even, even on Instagram, when someone is bringing you something, you don't know where it's come from. Yeah. And again, this harkens back to the fact that we're part of this really strange, unregulated thing, right? I, I had a kid bring me a stack of these old UFC cards. Now, the way that he presented it told me that there was some legitimacy there. Like they were all poorly wrapped and together. And inside that stack was a very expensive John Bones Jones card. That didn't set off any lights for me. But the person who randomly shows up with an expensive card and you kind of give them a look over, we all have our prejudices built in. And you, you sometimes say to yourself, where did, this, where did this guy get this card? Where did it come from? And the reality is, and then the question, and I answer this question, I, I, I ask this question without knowing the answer and, and not offering a solution. Yeah. What is your responsibility in terms of figuring that out? Because you know, as well as I do, 10 times out of 10, you just make the purchase or you make the trade. You don't start digging to try to figure out what's going on. They'll move on and, you know. Yeah. And like, so do you, guess. are you the person that, that, that again, like talking about comps and like profitability and, you know, if someone comes to your table and like is actually willing to make a deal 
for 50% of comps. Um, you know, right. like like right off the bat, is that is that a warning sign? Is that someone that like that and, and, and by the way, and that's what I suspect happened to my cart. They would just run it down the lane and offer it at half the price, which and maybe the dealer's gonna even knock it down even less, but they don't care. They're just looking yeah. for free cash. Yeah. They just acquired free cash. Yeah. And the dealer just acquired a great deal. And I sit there and I'm like, how much of the responsibility is on the dealer? And my the depressing answer, the reality is not much. I no. can't be mad at them for doing that. Because I mean, like we're looking to buy at 60% comps, right? So Correct. like, I mean, that's a perfect scenario where you're like, oh, this is a profitable inter- now, transaction. It becomes a whole other thing if they're aware. Yeah, of course. It becomes a whole other thing because yeah, yeah, yeah. this community is fantastic. I've said it enough on my IG stories. I can't say enough about the support. I had people come up to me you know, while I was dealing with CSG and tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey man, I saw what happened. I'm so sorry. Like it was unbelievable response. And my story got reshared a million times and I'm going to keep it up. I'm not going to forget it. As another vendor famously told me, get over it. I'm not going to get over it. <clears throat> I'm going to keep pushing. It's a serialized card and it's a big card and, and, and the hockey community is not that gigantic. Yeah. And I keep, you know, I keep hope in my heart that one day it will surface. Especially the cup community. that I had for, for a long time, by the way. Especially the a cup community, time. you know? Right. Yeah. It, there you go. Yeah. And um, so, but, it, but it, brought, it brought to the surface all these interesting elements about, and, you know, people have touched on regulation in the hobby on IG. <clears throat> the question is how? How, how are you going to... And it's, you know, there's, there's the front end with product and breakers. And then there's that back end. It's just like, how? How do you do it? Um, is there regulation? I mean, are there regulative elements in the art industry, which is even more abstract? Because at least in the sports card industry, how like does it all, it all comes from like the same suppliers, you know? Like in sports, you know, like, and by the way, what we're going to see, what we're going to see going forward, in my opinion, now that we're done with the crazy market, so to speak, is a dynamic market that is responsive to what's going on. And we're getting a taste of that in the hockey community right now with the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. My Igor Shesterkin PSA 10 Young Guns is not worth what it was. It's not worth today what it was last week. Yeah. The Kale McCars are worth a lot more today than they were last week. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's the dynamic those are the dynamic changes we're going to start seeing now. Right. Um, but those are natural. Like as, as but, is, but, that, but that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like yeah. That's as as eyes are drawn moves. to, you know, like there's less and less noise <laughs> in hockey now, you know, whereas let's say there's 30, 32 NHL teams. Like, you know, it's hard to keep up with everything that's happening on any given night. However, when there's only one game on, you know, there's much more attention on that one game. Right, you turn on the highlights. There's one game highlights. If that player does well, guess what? I mean, now all of a sudden there's a lot more eyes on that one player, right? So every performance is magnified, especially if you're talking about adding a Stanley Cup to a resume, and that's something that a lot of great players, Hall of Famers, even haven't had the chance to do, right? So you know, doing that at a young age, guys like Kill McCarr, guys like Nathan McKinnon. I mean, there's a reason why there, you know, there will be a bump if it happens, and there has been up until this point. 
So imagine a scenario, and people are going to tell me I'm crazy and it's a stupid scenario and why are we even having this discussion, but some, some scenario, a kid sells a Kale McCarr last week to a vendor for $100 and figures he's getting a good deal. He's been sitting on the card, made some money. And then he goes on IG and he sees that same vendor sold the card for 500 because McCarr scores five points in game yeah. one of the finals. Yeah. And then he says to his dad, who doesn't know anything about sports, and is, you know, just out of the loop somehow, and says, you know, dad, this, this dealer, he ripped me off. Look what he did. And he shows him. He, he, made, he made $400 on me. And the dad says, this is outrageous. And he goes to authorities or he goes here. I'm surprised we don't hear more stories like this. I've, I, I've heard stories like this still. Like I've actually heard stories where, you know, I mean, I've had people reach out to me that were like, uh, you know, I sold this card to, you know, this person. And then I didn't realize that it was worth this much. And uh, I, well, that and that that's an even more realistic scenario is where you didn't know that you were carrying this rare 90s insert. But like, again, whose responsibility is that, though? Like, if you're willing to accept it, like if you're willing to accept, let's say, $40 for this item. Right. That means that you're you're OK with like selling this thing for $40. You might not have all the information, but every time I, I go into my my pocket, I'm not looking for. Uh, rare coins no. you it, know what i mean and so it, if someone happens to get a rare coin out of me i can't be like oh you owe me money because this came from yeah, me it, it goes back to some stories that i i can tell a million of them and i have to be careful because if i get too detailed i'm talking about stories that were published in uh, beckett and other magazines that i was privy to but the the old concept of our hobby our lovely hobby which is family friendly and kid friendly is also the hobby where an old lady can walk in with a shoebox to a store, you know, and receive a thousand dollars for a bunch of old tobacco cards. And that'll make her happy. That's some money for her grandkids, but that dealer is going to turn that into over $500,000. And that's a real thing. And it's, it's, it's things that happen kind of all the time, maybe less so with the fact that, you know, obviously we're seeing less big fines lately. But you know, I think I'm, it's I'm, all. I think I'm it's from also, the 90s. I'm, I'm, I'm old man cartel. I saw. I've seen it all. In and the day and age of research, Google will teach you more things than the average classroom. Okay, let's just put that out there. I mean, don't not go to school and just read shit on Google. But I'm like, the the amount of information that's available on Google, whatever you have, you can literally type it in, and you will get nine thousand different. Yeah. search search uh results results there you go thank you very much Nine thousand different search results probably more you yep. know you'll get some that have nothing to do with it so and, 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 and you'll agree with this i'm sure you'll agree with this yeah especially as someone who sold me a sebastian aho at the time you did you have to carry a certain attitude and so maybe that is what the vendor who was telling me to just uh move on was trying to impress upon me I just wish it was someone else and not this individual. Yeah. Um, which is you have to have a certain attitude about it. When I hear, you know, if I hear that, like, if I give you a deal, Brendan, and you, there was, I've, I've given you plenty, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, I pride myself on the fact that, look, you have to consider, you know, you have to consider a, a variety of things when you're giving someone a quote unquote deal, right? You're, you're considering your own costs. You're considering 
maybe you want this person to benefit yeah. for whatever reason it is. But, you know, I can think of a deal where you made a significant amount and it's not cash sometimes. Sometimes it's other uh, assets, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you're, you're, you, you give someone a good deal and they come back to you. It's Lameem James's favorite meme lately, other than the ones where everybody's cash poor, is when he's like, oh, so you turned my BGS9 into a PSA 10. Cool, cool. You know, and yeah. you, you grit your teeth. Yeah. Um, but you have to, and I found this years ago. So I live in peace with it. I found that piece years ago where Brendan's going to, if Coach Co is going to call me, tell me, you know, uh, Cartel, I, I, you know, that deal that you gave me, um, I turned it into a PSA 10 and I, I sold it for three times the amount. I say, yeah, God bless you. And you just, and you roll with it because you believe in Harvey, hobby karma. You believe that you get all these different situations where it eventually kind of balances itself out. I've had so many situations play well for myself that I have space to allow, oh man, did I accidentally let that go for 10 bucks when it's now selling for 50? I can let that go. I have space for that because I've been the recipient of a lot of good hobby karma. Of if you don't, if you of don't, if you don't operate that way, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to start like nitpicking over, over absolutely. And, and you're going to be that that vendor that never sells. Yeah. You know, but it's also like, you know, there are times where I'll, I'll, I'll let go of something and uh, like whether like, even bulk stuff, you know, like I, I, I love bringing bulk stuff to like my local card shops. Shout out the relics. Yeah. I, know, um, I, I noticed that's a thing that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I bring bulk all the time and it's stuff that like, you know, might be $5, $8, $12, $7. It's stuff they can use for their shop. But it's stuff, exactly. It's very good stuff for someone to walk in and sift through, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I'm like, I'm not going to put in the effort to have this thing sit more. A lot of times that has to do with space and liquidity. Those two things matter very much to me. Number one, having enough space for stuff that I'm constantly bringing in. And number two, having enough liquidity so I don't have to keep taking money out of my bank account. And then, you know, right. sud- suddenly you're cardboard rich or maybe not even cardboard rich, but you, you know, you have a lot of cardboard, but the funds aren't quite there. So we want to avoid both of those things. And so I'll bring them stuff and, you know, um, $10 cards are $2 cards. Sometimes I'm just looking for liquidity half the time. I don't want to put in the work. I'm acknowledging that I don't want to put in the work and that you can do more with this than I can do with this in the amount of time that I need, that I need it to be done. Right. So, um, yeah. And there's something to be said about, about just acknowledging that, I mean, you're in, a, like, if, if you want to treat this like a market, like markets ebb and flow and, and yes. you're not gonna, you're not gonna be profitable off every fucking yeah. trade. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, there's, you know, so another thing from the expo is again, you saw everything you saw collectors, uh, you saw opportunists, you saw flippers, you saw, um, you know, and a lot of young people fancy themselves dealers now, whether they were there, uh, you know, as a dealer or just walking the floor, they fancy themselves some kind of businessman. And it's great. You know, like take the opportunity. There's, I gave some people some deals that were ripe for flipping and I see them on Instagram. I mean, they're not being, uh, they're not being slick. Yeah. I see my cards on Instagram being attempted 
to yeah. be resold. Now, at the end of the day, until you make the sale, you have not done anything. No, no. So far, all you've done is given me some money and taken some cards. Yeah. Um, you still need to complete the sale. Yeah. You know, and you still need to hope for the best. And you you roll you roll the dice on some rangers. That didn't go well. Which ties into some... comps, right? Because like yeah. even though something is going for that price, yeah, someone still needs to pay you that amount of money for it. Right. So so I'm giving you a deal a few hundred under comps. Yeah. It's up to you now. Yeah. To reach that now, but there's different ways. You can hope for some inflation from from the dynamic changes in in gameplay and you know, if you rolled it on Rangers, not so good. If you rolled it on Avalanche, great. Smart people did all that. My last deal, and we should, uh, we still have a couple things to discuss as far as it relates to the Logo Man and uh, auctions in general uh, and, and some new releases, Coach Co. So let's try to be tight here. But at the very end, let's be collectors because that's what we are in our hearts. And let's talk about some of the things that we've acquired. But one of my last acquisitions, so I was... I, ca- I caught myself in a tight spot because I was completing some grading submissions. There was literally like 10 minutes left to the show. And there was a gentleman. I, I hope I don't embarrass him or anything. I think his name was Sebastian. Super nice guy. I, I hated that. So many of these interactions almost become confrontational Yeah. because you're trying to decide on a deal. So there's pricing and, and it's like, after talking for a little, you're like, we could be friends. But right now we kind of dislike each other because we're just, we're struggling to finish something here. And, you know, he, there are some cards he wanted and he had a limited amount of cash that was going to be in the deal. So he needed me to find something in his case. And his case was hilarious because it was all good stuff that I liked, but it was all just kind of like either I already had it or it was a PSA nine when I pr- would prefer a 10, you know what I mean? And yeah. I just did my best and I'm like, I don't really see anything. And then, you know, when I realized he kept pushing and I wanted to make a deal with him, I was like, okay, here's a Steven Stamkos future watch. And it's PSA nine. And uh, so I said, you know what? I mean, cause I, at that point, I did not believe the lightning were going to come. I, 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 what was the deal at that point at the show? Was it two to two? No, cause uh, they were down 02, I think. No, but on the last day of the show, did they two, not already? It was, there wasn't more than two one. So it was 2-1, right? And I didn't believe the Lightning were going anywhere. So I was also kind of avoiding it. But at the same time... Goose. But at the same time, it's a Stamkos, who, by the way, has one of the most beautiful autographs. I agree. And his um, stuff is still cheap. And I was talking and, about this nine months ago. And then, and then, Brendan, I looked up his stats this past year. He had a career year. Not in goals. Was- not in goals, but points. Yeah, just that, well, that's what I mean. Like a yeah. career year and yeah. overall output. Yeah, guys, completely overlooked. It's so strange how we. Do you know, he almost has five hundred goals, if not actually has five hundred goals. I feel like if the Lightning win another cup, we're gonna like care even less about them in the hobby. It's so strange, crazy. But um, nonetheless, so I ended up making the deal with him as a result of putting the Stamkos in the mix. It's funny. He said to me, said to me, listen. Glad we made a deal. He wasn't super happy about it. I think he should have been. He got some cool stuff. He got some PMGs, funny enough. Cartel dipped his toes into the PMGs. Uh, the, only one I, the only one I maintained for myself, I think we both kind of like him, Patrick Laine. Yeah. Um, but he walked away with some cool stuff, but he said to me, uh, you know what, just take the card. He seemed kind of defeated, and he said, just take the card. You'll be very thankful when they win the cup. 
And I was like, Pashaw, get out of here. They're down two to one. And nonetheless, Stamkos is 32 years old and already has 481 goals to his name. Yeah, I think he, I'm going to be purchasing he's some more Stamkos. 28 points away from a thousand. And uh, he does not look like he's slowing down anytime soon. And I like that you, even, even being a, uh, I'm going to call you now a sophomore slash junior. Cool. In the hobby. You're not a freshman. No. You're not yet, you're not yet a uh, senior, but you're getting up there. And I like that you, you do always remind me and our listeners and probably the people around you on the Tiki Talkie, that sort of thing. Legends are legends. Legends that are being made are important to pay attention to, which is why I found myself picking up cards like Evgeny Malkin, Stamkos. Important because you're so. It's, oh, it's super easy to suck off the things that everyone's looking at right now. And it's easy you know, to get like, caught up in that immediate hype. I, I don't blame anyone caught up in the Makar hype. You got Gretzky calling him. No, no. I mean, I agree with you, and and I was chirping Makar, but like, uh, I just I want to see it happen for a longer period of time. That's all I want. You know, like, yeah. that's all I want. Like, Which is totally and I'm actually reasonable. willing to overpay. And I, I mean, uh, when it happens, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if it's sustained for four five, six years, uh, it's, it's official. Right. And like, there's no doubt how great he is right this second. He's unbelievable, unbelievable player. And if he keeps his trajectory, then he'll, you know, might actually win a fucking MVP, which is even crazier. But like, you know, you can't expect everything to keep trending up. It's just not, it's if you go into every, every player like that, then Alexander Digg would have been great. And uh, you know, and there's just so many players. I still can't yeah. believe Artemi Panarin is like cheaper than, I don't know, like there's a lot of guys. He's cheaper yeah, that's than like Trev- that's gotta have Trevor Zegris. He's cheaper that's- than like, there's like 9,000 players that are more expensive than Artemi Panarin, who, by the way, has won a Stanley Cup and just brought, I mean, not single-handedly, but was a big contributor in the Rangers' run to the third round of the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the one other element in the hockey hobby, I, I, I don't know if you saw my posts, but I picked up a Bo Horvat Cup 99 with a nice patch. Now, Bo Horvat's by no means... Uh, putting up any of the kind of numbers that we are from, from the guys we're talking about. However, I mean, I, I, I actually didn't realize he very, he had a very quiet 30 goal season, Yeah, but, but just this is a great example in hockey, the market being the Vancouver Canucks, which has, which has any Canadian market has a faithful fan base. Um, and the fact that it's a cup 99, there's only so many that are designated the cup 99. Now, how did I make that deal? There were no comps. Not only were there no comps, there's no currently available. So that's a perfect example of two people having to decide for themselves in that situation what yeah. a card is worth. And the hockey hobby is really cool that way. Because um, a lot of people point, they're like, that's one of your, that's your biggest pickup is that Horvat. He's not the biggest name, not the best player. But just the fact that that Cup 99, um, I guess someone mentioned someone might be hoarding some of them. Apparently, there's someone who hoards Stephen Stamkos Cup rookies who apparently has like 60 of them. 60. Did you know that? I know that. I know that Lee's got three, I think. There's only 99 to go through. Matt Lee? He posted three, three of them. I, I think it was today. He posted three. 
Matt Lee is a, uh, a very prominent cup collector and uh, savage. He, he knows like, dude, 20 years from now, when he opens up his briefcase full of one of one shields, that's another example. Are there any comps? No. And the funny thing is most of the ones that he picks up are in person. He's not grabbing them on eBay. No. I could be wrong. I'm making an assumption. Yeah. So there wasn't a comp to begin with. The market is his. He will decide what it's worth if he ever wants to move it. They may stay in his family for many, many years, many generations. Who knows? But, uh, but you know, that's a great example of comps ain't going to work. I love it. When you want your one of one uh, Pasternak, it ain't going to work. Um, Speaking of one of ones, there is a big one of one at auction right now at Golden Auction. And that one of one is the one of one logo man that we have been talking so endlessly about, it seems like. Um, I mean, the fact that it's at $1.45 million US, like six days in or seven days either, in. I mean, is that, is that good? Is it progressing slowly or is this how it should be progressing? I'm, up, I'm upset that it's this high, to be honest. Really? Even, I, even, though, even though the estimation is at 6 million? But that estimation is bullshit because like, where well, does that estimation come from? Like, again, we're talking like, you know, like the perfect example, these fractionals, okay, they make up a number for a card. There was a PSA 9 Illustrator Pikachu yesterday that closed for $780,000. I'm 99% certain, and I will double check this, that there was a PSA 9 that they were saying is 1.2 million. And by they, I mean the fractionals, right? So your estimation was like $400,000 off. You get what I'm saying? So who well, makes up these I, numbers? Well, like, I look. I, I've I've shared this in the IG space. I personally believe whoever winds up with this card is going to be a fractional company, and they're going to offer it to buyers or even more. Like they're gonna they're gonna make shares and they're gonna they're gonna say it's uh you know actually eight million dollars. They're gonna wait like two three years. You know, like yeah. it's fun. G- given the market, given the the world today, and the stupidity. Uh, I it would make more sense to me if it stopped right now at 1.5 or 2 million. And then everyone can own a piece of history in the logo, man. Tell me you don't see that playing out. So again, it's, it's the space that I'm not into. So, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously curious to see where this all ends up. I've given you my theory in terms of why they evaluated it the way they did. I do believe this will be purchased by a fractional company. I wouldn't be shocked to know that Golden themselves or Drake himself will have involvement in it. Everyone will make a little bit of money Um, because that's the buddy-buddy scenario we're getting right now. He's advertising it at Times Square, like in New York. So, and and, you know, that's good. I mean, look, at the end, that's pretty decent. That's that's hobby exposure. No, no, I know that. I'm just saying that like, when when do you remember a card being pushed into mainstream media like this? Now, one of the big controversies of this friggin' card is that it got encapsulated. It did. I, I, I kind of forgot this, but I just reminded myself. So it got encapsulated as a PSA authentic and everybody lost their fucking minds. Yeah. Aren't we a funny group of people over the things that we lose our minds over? Now, did you lose your mind? I, I don't give a flying... I was excited that I don't that give a flying so many people... Period. 
I was excited that like there was gen- <laughs> like there was actual discussion. Like it wasn't just like you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. Like people were like, here's why I think it should have gotten a grade. And then there were people here like, here's why it didn't get a grade. And I respect that it didn't get a grade. Yeah. I, I myself feel that it's perfectly acceptable that it didn't get a grade. It's a one of one. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There were some discussions about the fact that it looks like there was some damage compared to when it came out of the pack. Not surprised, man, with the amount of people that were fondling that. Bro, it's it's done a world a world tour. Like um, literally, that thing has has touched more. I was gonna make a really bad joke. Um, it, <laughs> it is the amount of people that have touched that thing is just ridiculous. So, so look, it's a one of one. Um, I don't need it to have a grade. Um, a PSA slab is a very iconic thing right now. The white, the red, the shape of the slab, the smell of the slab. I don't know if you've ever put one in your mouth and tasted it. It's an iconic thing. Okay. So it makes sense. I just set some, I've, I, I am experimenting with everything under the moon when it comes with, when it comes to grading and slabbing tickets, this, that, the other thing I've sent in some beautiful cards that have beautiful signatures on them that are so beautiful that I do not want to be distracted by anything else when it comes to the card. And it's not nefarious. It's not deceptive. Okay. I, I sent in this beautiful Gretzky that in my opinion, probably would grade as a nine, which is good. Correct. Brendan. That's good. Yeah. Especially yeah. for a piece of uh, autographed memorabilia. Cause remember it's on card. Wayne touched it. And Wayne's not, we don't, I don't think Wayne's a collector. He doesn't know to like gently hold it. He Wayne's a gambler though. On it. Huh? So Wayne's a gambler though. It's true. He put his paws on it and he signed it. Okay. And I don't give a shit if there's a little dimple. So I sent it in to be slabbed authenticated with a grade for the autograph. Now come to find out there's going to be people on Instagram who are going to lose their hot shit when they see that good for them. It's not for them. It's for me or whoever's going to own it next. I don't think it's a big issue. This, this getting it slabbed authentic. Um, it is, I mean, that in itself is a bit funny though. (laughs) It's the only one in existence. It better be authentic. Um, but I don't know, I guess down the line, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to have it in a slab that says authentic, right? So I don't think you're allowed to sell anything at golden without it being slapped. There's another reason to slab it. Yeah. And by the way, the concept, even though I believe it's going to be a consortium that's going to buy it. The concept is a lot of these people bidding on these auctions, they're not old school collectors. They're just what, what old school collector is going to pay yeah. $1.45 million they're, for a card that came out this year. Right. And they're, they're interested in alternative assets and they let, and the word authentic is cool. And the PSA slab is iconic and it helps it out. <laughs> you know, there were times where I would, I had a card with me in the expo and it was a PSA eight. Short printed though, numbered 75. Like you cannot find this thing. It's tough. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, that card is beautiful, but it's a PSA eight. What about PMGs though? They're all five, sixes, and seven. But again, so because it's got like the like that's what people like, oh, PMGs are supposed to be five, sixes, and sevens, then uh, it's a it's a whole different facade. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a big issue with it. Now, when it comes to uh, auctions and having all of this attention on such a giant auction, 
We have seen content from uh, our former guest, AIH Sports, Raul. We've seen all sorts of different content from the, uh, what, are, what, what are they called? The muckrakers? What are we, muckrakers? We're, we're the, 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 the people who push back. We've seen a lot of content about some of the, so, what's the term I'm looking for here? The, some, some, of the, some of the practices of these auction houses. Oh, and yeah. people are discovering something that's been out in the open for a long time now about heritage, about golden, about all these different auction houses. They're not playing by any rules other than the rules that they have created. And they're outlined on their websites. You can actually check them out. And what you check out will probably shock you in terms of <clears throat> the control that they have over these auctions and some of these terms, some of which involve employees being able to place bids. Yeah. And if you, and if you think that there's some sort of limitation where they can't get a friend to place a bid for them, you're out of your mind. That's just the reality. And these are the people producing comps and sales that we all take as gospel. And then those comps and then those comps and sales impact lesser versions of those cards. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's say like the the creme de la creme gets sold like at auction houses, which means that like the next card down, let's say gets sold on eBay or gets sold at a show or whatever the case may be. So that comp is now impacted by that card. And then the card below it is then impacted by the card above that. Right. And it becomes this trickle down effect where at the top, how solid are they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess, um, I guess we'll find out. Uh, the, the classic video, of course, I'm going to mention it because I spoke uh, with someone about it today, is that Carl Jopes video, Exposing Fraud and Deception, in case you want to uh, look it up on YouTube, Exposing Fraud and Deception in the Retro Video Game Market. Now, you might not be interested in WADA or the video game market. <coughs> I'm reaching my, my breaking point here, Brendan. Yeah, that's best. okay. I'm reaching mine too. <laughs> but um, it's not just about WADA and video games. There's content in there regarding the auction houses and the type of scam that goes on here. I can't believe that when I look it up now, there's all these anti-Carl Jobs videos. Not surprising, but um, it, it talks a lot about what people are. And th- this was nine months ago. Yeah. And people are bringing it up again. And a lot of those realities still just aren't sinking in for a lot of people about these auctions. And at the very basic level, you know, it's like they're getting the buyer premium, the seller premium, the this, the that, the this, the everything. Very unsavory. Uh, it is what it is. I, I Like many things, Cartel always says, I, I see the necessity. I understand it. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there that now as a result of the logo, man, people should be reading about. And getting educated about. Couldn't agree more. So, uh, uh, Mr. Coachko, before we bid adieu on this very Canadian and Francais episode, not really. Um, I, can't, I can't speak French. Share, uh, je ne sais pas. Uh, um, let's share some of our favorite pickups from the expo. So you, you had some very specific stuff that you were chasing and you famously said uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, I definitely said mission accomplished, but those weren't my favorite pickup. They were beautiful though. And I do specifically, I got one PSA nine 
uh, Kobe Bryant tops Chrome. And for those of you who are chasing the uh, or have seen the Kobe Bryant tops Chrome rookies, 90, 1996, 1997, they generally green. And it's not just the Kobe's, it's all of the cards from the set. Um, right. They don't respond very well to light. And, you know, a lot of those cards have been sitting in showcases for the last 25 years. Um, and so they've been just butchered by the light. As a result of that, they've turned green. So finding a copy that is not green or has less greening <laughs> really makes a difference. Um, and I think should be priced into the card, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, I happen to find one of the nicest copies I've ever seen. Uh, so I'm super happy about that. But uh, I, I, I'm actually more happy with the, like, I love that card. Don't get me wrong. But I'm more happy with some of the 90s hockey cards that I, I picked up. Like, I picked up a, an Aginla Fleer medal that just, something about the card just, it just sings to me. It's like, it, it, it might be like a $5 card. But it's just beautiful. It's his rookie card. I can't believe it's so cheap. That was so the uh, wave, wave of the future? Yeah, I got that one. But I didn't buy that at the show, though. But mm -hmm. that thing, uh, that's numbered out of 250. Yeah, man. It's fucking beautiful. So many so many uh, classic 90s sets were, were numbered, and that's a powerful addition to it, right? Because it's limited. Um, so that's very cool. Yeah. What about you? Um I picked up uh, a Hamzat Silver Prism, which I'm stacking as much as I can. I feel like there's a lull right now in his market Yeah. until the next fight. Dana White was all of a sudden very negative about him lately. I don't know what's going on there. Really? Well, he's, he seems to be implying that now that Hamzat's made some money, he's not as hungry as he was. But nonetheless, that's an opportunity in my, in my opinion. Maybe he's trying to poke um, the bear. Could be. It could be. I am a cup collector. At the end of the day, uh, I, I buy, I sell. Yeah. But I do love picking up nice cups. And I did end up moving my four-color Miko Rantanen patch. Did you? Because now's the time. Yeah. But I had to replace it very quickly with another Rantanen patch, which was three colors. Just because I, li I like the player. I like yeah. the card. There you go, right? Um, I, I still think he's cheap. Yeah. So those were probably... Uh, those were likely... Um, my favorite pickups. Uh, I picked up another Messier. Uh, I bought one from you, right? Um, yeah. Picked up a, a slightly nicer one in KSA form just because it looked really good. Yeah. Regardless of the slab, it looked really good. So I had a whole variety of stuff uh, that I picked up. Um, some not necessarily as a PC or, or things like that. I did want to make sure I walked away with some McCart material and I got in at a good price. So... I think that was advantageous. Not bad, not bad. Absolutely. Love it. All right. All right, team. Um, both of us are tapped out. One of us sick. The other one's ready for bed. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share. Listen, if you hear something that you really think that someone else should be hearing, send that to a friend. It means the world to us and uh, it helps getting the message out there. So have yourselves a wonderful rest of the day. Cardboard coaches are out. Peace.